Hello and welcome to the Neurology Nuts and Bolts podcast, a podcast all about constructing your career in neurology. I'm your host and founder of the podcast, Sarah Schaefer from the Yale School of Medicine. Today as part of the career development series, we're going to be talking about physician coaching with Barbara Hazy, who is a professional coach and former coach for the AAN Emerging Leaders Program. And she was also my coach for the AAN Emerging Leaders Program, and Susanna Bowling, a neurologist and physician coach. Thank you for joining us, both of you. Thanks, Sarah. And thank you for having us, Sarah. This is an honor and a pleasure. So let's start from the basics. What is coaching and how is it similar to or different from mentorship, sponsorship, other ships. <laughs> um, Barbara, you want to take this one? Sure. So coaching is a process that really is about honoring the person being coached and their agenda. Um, in my coaching conversations, when I'm in the purely coaching mode, I typically ask people what is important to them, what do they want to focus on, what um, what are their hopes and dreams? Um, mentoring tends to be something that it's the voice of experience. And so you're going through a process, the person being coached is going through a process where they're looking for some guidance, whether it's career or it could even be just broader issues beyond career, maybe moving forward in your academic field. But it's really understanding, having someone with you who understands the lay of the land. They've kind of been there before and be supportive. A sponsorship tends to be someone either within your organization or within the field who is willing to nominate you, willing to get behind and support you for different roles, different positions, helping you do things like getting your next job or getting an important assignment or being assigned to a project. So there, there are nuanced differences. I will say that in any single coaching conversation, I certainly use both coaching and mentoring. Um, not as much sponsorship because I'm independent of an organization, although I do some of that as well when it's appropriate. Anything to add, Susanna? Yeah, I, I echo everything that she shared with you. And I had to say, I, the way I simplify is when one is coaching, the coachee does most of the talking. When somebody is mentoring, the mentor does most of the talking. So I think that's the, the biggest difference. And as she said very clearly, you're honoring the person who is telling them or telling you the story, their thoughts, the process, their, everything that they believe you believe that they are their own solution and that's the difference you know as a mentor you give solutions as a coach you help your coachee find their own solutions which they have so maybe a coach gives you the map and a mentor guides you through the trails you know we all have our what i call brain webs yeah, the smarter you are, the more convoluted stories you build in your mind, the more uh, assumptions you have and that um, you're using to make decisions based on those assumptions. So as a coach, you challenge that. 
you listen to what spider webs the other person has in the mind and you don't correct them, you just simply challenge them because they may be right, right? And you you use curiosity as a tool to help the other person think. I, I think one of the things that coaches can do to build on what Susanna said is really helping people clarify, you know, their priorities, what they want and their pathway forward. You know, Susanna said, I, I firmly believe that the um, people that I work with as a coach, they have their own answers within them, but there's a lot that can be getting in the way of discovering that. And a coach can help you sort through that. Can you each share your own journeys to becoming a coach? What drew you to it initially? And what is the actual formal process for becoming a coach? Susanna? Well, my driven force to become a coach was the need that I had to become a better leader. You know, I am a neurologist and I lead a program. And I did not know how to get my coworkers, people that are not you know, under me or they're, they're with me to lead them into a direction where they want it wanting to go or also help me get them to be in a better position, help them grow. I had no idea how to do that. As a physician, most of us get in position of leadership because we're good at what we do as a physicians, but then we don't have training as leaders. That's where the American Academy of Neurology did such a big difference in my life when they trained me as a leader, but it still needed more, right? And so I learned about coaching as a way not to tell people what to do, but to help people get to know what they wanted to do. Yeah, and that's so beautiful in in a way. And that's why I became a coach because once I learned how to do that with my colleagues and become a better listener, which is the one thing about coaching that I really learned the most is how to become a better listener as a leader. Then once you become a better listener, you automatically become a better more curious and that curiosity builds relationships and then builds also ways to think of other ideas and and what was the actual process for you Susanna of becoming a coach I had to spend a year in a course of coaching it was done uh, in person it was like an executive coaching training program uh, through the pyramids resources which is uh, aimed primarily to physicians um, coaching or coaching in the space of healthcare. That was very helpful. And then I went through the process of getting accreditation, taking the test, and uh, be uh, licensed as a coach by the uh, International Coaching Federation. So I took training. It's a year training, you know, which I did in my evenings and in my weekends. And, and you, Barbara? I, I would say that instead of um, me being drawn to coaching, coaching was drawn to me. My first experience of coaching, I was facilitating a workshop, and one of the participants in the workshop said, I'd like you to coach me. And I was like, no, nah, I don't coach. I can connect you to a coach, but that's not what I do. And she said, no, I, I really would like to work with you. So I said, well, we will try it. And either one of us at any time can say, you know, this isn't working. But it worked, and I had other people approach me about coaching them. So I decided that if this was something I was going to actively pursue, that I needed to go through the coaches' training and the certification process as well. So my certification is through the Coaches Training Institute out of San Rafael, California. And it took me about 
um, because I was also doing nights and weekends. Um, And it took me probably about a little over a year to um, go through the coaching process. I'm sure like Susanna, you know, we had to have supervised coaching as well to get feedback. And um, I have to say that that process was invaluable, not just for me being a, a, a really clear about my coaching and coaching abilities, but also in, for my own personal growth and development. You know, one of the great things about the work I do is everybody's unique. And I always feel like I learn so much from the people I work with that, that that's really one of the things I love about uh, coaching. And I would have to add that not only the training that you do for a year, you're actually just like as a physician, you need to have CMEs. You also have to have continuing continue educations and coaching. So through the to maintain accreditation with the International Coaching Federation, you had to have a certain number of hours of coaching as well as hours of training into coaching. What kinds of coaches are there? Um, are there coaches? So Barbara, are there coaches who are not physicians who specialize in physician coaching? What might be the advantages of having a coach who's also a physician like Susanna versus the advantages of having someone who's outside of the practice of medicine? You know, what kind of coach might a physician pursue and for what reasons? It depends upon what the person would like from a coaching relationship. First and foremost, I think you have to find a coach that you feel comfortable with, that you can build an effective relationship where there's trust. You can be honest with the coach. The coach can be honest with you. The foundation of that is really important. And and one of the things I suggest when people contact me Um, looking for a coach is, um, I will also, I'll talk with them. We'll talk through what they want from coaching, their priorities. And I'll give them the name of a couple of other coaches to talk to as well, because I want to make sure for them, it's it's really a good fit. I think there are um, advantages. If you're a physician looking for a coach, there are definitely advantages to working with someone who is a physician or has that, understands that world and all of the the requirements, the challenges of that world, just as there are advantages for someone who's maybe, you know, I've I've learned an awful lot over the years about physicians and physicians working in different settings, whether it's academic and academic practice, private practice, but I am not familiar with the day-to-day requirements. Sometimes I can ask different questions that because I'm not familiar with that environment um, can open up new doors. On the other hand, if you're working with a physician coach, there's a shorthand that you can develop that might uh, make it progress. So I guess what it comes down to at the end of the day is have a really good fit, work with someone you trust, and hopefully get some clarity about what you would like from a coaching relationship and look for someone who can help you with that. Yeah, I had to say that. So as when you think about the kinds of coaching, you know, you can be very uh, systematic about it and think, well, there is the, the performance coaching, which you do as a leader as well, when people that's something that they don't do well, right? You have life coaching, then you have business coaching, and then you have leadership coaching, which is what we call transformational coaching. And that's what we do. 
So as a transformational coach, uh, you have to be very careful not to give your opinions. So in a way, you know, the further away you are distant from the problem or the understanding of the problem the person has, it kind of helps you be more objective. Then you don't add, you know. And I have coached individuals from the FBI. I have coached people from the government. I have coached people that I have no idea what they do. So as long as you maintain as a coach that there is strict rule that you will not give your opinion, you know, then in reality, it doesn't matter what kind of coach you have, right? Is that personal relationship and the communication engagement that makes you feel comfortable with that individual that makes the coaching more successful. Having said so, when you are a, a physician as a, and a coach, it allows you also sometimes to identify roadblocks in the person that is in front of you that are based on the lack of knowledge of the process, the program, the issues. And, and you can then con uh, consider getting more of an okay, can I take my hat of coaching and be a mentor or tell you this is what I know of the problem that you say based on my experience, right? But you always have to ask permission to do so because what you don't want is to tell them this is my solution for you. They still have to find a solution, but maybe it allows you to clarify vague understanding of, of concept of facts that you understand because of your experience as a physician. Yeah. Yeah. So one thing I would add to that, Susanna, um, and I think I love that you talked about sort of clarifying what role you're playing now, because I do brainstorm with some of my clients. They always, they always choose the next step forward, but sometimes it can be very helpful for the coach to work with them to surface options. One of my goals is to always help them understand that um, they might have, might have more options or more choices than they can immediately see or feel like they have. And so one of my goals is always working with them to surface uh, options because when you feel like you have a choice, that immediately creates more ownership or agency on behalf of that person. And so I want them to feel like they're walking away owning the decision that they've made or the next step. Yeah, I totally agree with that because only when they own it, they own the solution, then that's when the transformation occurs. Yeah. And when you're coaching, you don't coach the problem, you coach the so what that means is I don't care the problem is that, you know, you have 10 nights of cola every month and you're burned because you have so much cool. The problem is why you're not giving away those calls, right? What is the reason why? And I'm just giving you the silly sample, but it's why is the why is the what's keeping you in the job that you don't like. And I had to say that one of the beautiful things about coaching physicians in particular is that one of the most important components of the process of coaching is that you are giving time for them to think for their own, you know, and they have that commitment to do so on a time that they're engaged with you. You know, physicians don't have any time. You have time for everybody except for yourself. So when do you ever stop to think and then get yourself out of your head and let somebody challenge your thinking and you had that dedicated time, mindful time, 
away from any other distraction in which you're truly thinking about yourself or about your problems or about something you want to achieve. So speaking about time, Susanna, you are also an active neurologist in practice. How do you actually incorporate coaching into your work? Well, is um, I actually coach uh, students in the uh, in the university. I'm part of the academic success team in that university, and that has become a real juggling uh, event. But I really like coaching, so I when you want something, you make time, right? So I, I coach when I'm off and. And that, I'm, I'm neurocritical care and stroke, so I have shift work. So I do sometimes seven off, seven off. Then I also do administration. But in my off time, I dedicate time to coaching. And those who want to be coached by me select the timing. Quite often, I coach at night. So it is a challenge. There's no question about it. But you have to be dedicated and really, really want to do it in order to make it happen. It's so easy not to do it as a physician. So I decided that I want to retire into coaching. So I've been a physician for over 25 years. I probably want to do it for another five years if I can't handle it. But my goal is eventually retire into coaching. Susanna, I wonder if you feel that learning how to coach and going through this journey has made you a better physician. Absolutely. Absolutely. I had to say that I... The one thing I learned about coaching, number one, was to listen. You listen with an amplifier way of doing so, like a, a two-dimensional listening, if you will. You listen to the what is said, and you listen what is not being said. So with patients and families, particularly when we, I, we deal all the time with neurocritical care, very life and death issues, very strong decisions about discussions of, of, of outcomes and potential you know, discontinuation of care and so forth. All these have helped me listen to what is not being said. If there's one thing, I think all the physicians will be trained, at least a short training on coaching, uh, so they can coach their patients to, to do better with their health. What kinds of things might coaching help someone with? Like when in a person's career, may seeking a coach be helpful? How long does a coaching relationship last? Is it a one-time thing? Can it be an indefinite thing or recurrent? What has been your experience, Barbara? Typically, I, I found coaching to be really effective when a person is at a transition point in their life. So they might be fairly new leaders or taking on a, a new or a bigger leadership role. And um, they're looking for just some support and guidance. I always think that one of the reasons coaching continues to grow in popularity is because particularly leadership coaching, as you move up in an organization, it can get lonely. And a coach is that someone who's at arm's length that you can talk to about challenges, different situations, things that, you know, you, you can try out crazy or wild ideas with someone who can give you a different perspective and it's a safe space to do that in. The other things that I coach people on, I've worked with people in job transition, which again, is a is a transition. It's a new beginning and getting clarity around uh, most of the people I work with um, have been people who have left something and they're wanting to create or shape 
what is new for them. There are also people who will come to me for coaching who are really struggling with a specific problem in their life. And I like what Susanna said earlier about you don't coach the problem, you coach the person. And so when someone comes to me with a specific problem, I tend to want to take a step back with them if they're willing to do that and look at the bigger picture and try and understand a lot of times the problem is the symptom. So um, those are typically the points at which I tend to do um, my best work, my best coaching. There are a lot of other coaches, as Susanna said, around, you know, business coaches. Um, I know a number of folks who are wellness coaches, and that's been a really important role to add to our coaching community. And so if somebody comes to you with a transition or a problem or, you know, a goal, at what point does the coaching end? Is there follow-up? How how often, how how long do these coaching relationships generally last? I always think everybody's an experiment of one. So it's always unique. My goal in a coaching relationship is to not have an indeterminate amount of time. I typically work with my clients for six months to a year. And at that point, I hope that they have developed for themselves some capacity for reflection, um, the ability to work going forward and continue to grow and develop uh, without me as a coach. I do often, though, get people who will call me up after a period of time and just say, I need a refresher. Can we come back and work together? And that might be for three or six months just to help them because they're at the next transition point and they just need a little help or support going through that. Yes, you don't want to build a dependency. So I think it's important to set those timelines. As far as the subjects for coaching, I can tell you, I get coached and I get coaching immediately again. And it's, uh, every time I get coached, it's something different. In regards to burnout, for example, you know, uh, burnout and leadership coaching is, is very, uh, coaching for burnout and coaching for leadership is very similar because when you are burned, you don't see your way out and you don't see your next step and you feel trapped and everything is negative, right? So uh, seeing a way out by building your own next step, imagining it creating the next step is a way to forget what was the past, look forward and improve your even uh, self-perceived satisfaction on the world around you. I think also it's very good to coach about relationships. So you have an issue with somebody you work with, you bad heads all the time or they don't listen to you or simply you think that they are a roadblock for your success the coach keeps you also you know accountable to yourself okay you said you were going to do this have you done it you know so accountability through the coach becomes another thing that to me is very helpful Mm -hmm. okay so say we have some listeners that have heard what you have to say and decided that they would benefit from coaching how does one actually find a coach? Is there some sort of database? Is this word of mouth? And related to that, in what ways might someone get access to coaching without having to pay out of pocket for it? 
So there are a number of um, databases. The, the first place I'd stop um, is the International Coach Federation. They have a database of coaches, and they're categorized by areas of interest or expertise, also by geography. For some people, um, coaching face-to-face is really important. Others, phone, Zoom tends to work as well. Um, I think word of mouth is a great way to find a coach as well. So ask, you know, colleagues, friends, um, if they've worked with a coach, what the experience was like, if they have a recommendation for someone, you you often get a much more nuanced recommendation from something like that. And in terms of um, how do you how do you work with a coach and and not have to pay for it? <laughs> you know, one obviously, I've worked with people who have included coaching as part of their either hiring or promotion package. So the organization is going to pay for it. The thing that I always want to be very clear about and ask the person being coached to be clear with their organization, even though the organization might be paying me, I am coaching the individual and that coaching is confidential. So I don't report back to any organization about any of the coaching. Um, There are a number of programs. Sarah, you participated in the Emerging Leaders Program. That includes coaching, but there are a number of leadership programs out there that an organization certainly may be willing to fund that has a coaching component. So if that is of interest to you, that would be something worth exploring as well. I I know there's a lot of really good programs out there. I want to just close by asking each of you what brings you the most joy about being a coach. Susanna? Why so many things. You know, first of all, I mean, the conversation of coaching is so clean, you know, in a way, is that you are truly there for the other person, so the other person feels heard, and it creates immediately a very strong bound with that other individual. So it's, I build friendships, you know, with all the people I coach, and, and, and that caring component that makes you a physician too, as a care physician, is always in every one of my coaching relationships. Uh, it's impossible not to care for the people that you coach. And um, the second thing that brings a lot of success, I mean, uh, satisfaction is when I see them succeed. I mean, I, every one of the individuals I have coached, they have grown in ways and spaces that they did not see themselves growing. I could see them being able to I just had to show them the mirror so they could see themselves growing, right? So I think the satisfaction for me is every time I see a success in any one of the people I coach, it's my success, right? It's like, is is there really theirs? But I say, oh, yes, you know, we got it. I I have to echo what Susanna said. Every time um, one of my clients experiences a success and, and I can see the path on how hard they've worked and that they've achieved that, it, it is, it is in a way, my success as well. But I, I get so excited for them, and I'm so happy for them when they take that next step or they feel like they're ready to step out and take a risk. Um, I work with a lot of women as well as coach in the, my coaching and just the growth in confidence. I, I was on a coaching call with someone earlier today, and this young woman just said, you know what? 
I feel like I'm more assertive, but in a really positive way. And people are listening to me and I, I'm more sure of myself. I feel like I've come into my own, you know, it's, it's sort of like, I always knew that was there in her. That was part of her. I just needed to convince her. She chose to believe that about herself. And that's, that's what makes it really special. I have to say, I, I, really loved working with the physicians in particular because they are people who are wonderful, who are dedicated, who are committed to other people and the overall, you know, caring for the sick, but also the overall health and well-being. And they really care about the profession and their patients. And having that touch point and seeing that brings me a lot of joy. Thank you both for taking your time to talk to us today about coaching. I'm sure it'll be really eye-opening for a lot of our listeners. Thanks, Sarah, for having us. It's been a real pleasure. Wonderful. And thank you very much uh, for having us. Neurology Nuts and Bolts podcast was created and produced by myself, Sarah Schaefer. It is not recorded as an official podcast of any institution or organization. The podcast is unfunded. Opinions are those of the individual participants. Music by Audrey Nath, artwork by Shivani Goshal. Want more content like this? Be sure to subscribe to the Neurology Nuts and Bolts podcast on any podcast platform. To hear more about constructing your career in neurology, follow us on x now as opposed to twitter (laughs) at neurobolts and on facebook at neurology nuts and bolts to stay up to date on new content and give us feedback on what you want to hear and tell your friends thanks for joining us